Welcome to this edition of Gabrielle Dolan's Authentic Leadership Podcast. Join Gabrielle as she speaks to well-known leaders on authentic leadership values and storytelling. The aim of this podcast is to encourage you to embrace authenticity in both the professional and personal context. The stories and experience of her guests will be a wonderful catalyst for others to learn from. So on this podcast, I have the pleasure of interviewing Jamie McPhee, who is the CEO of MeBank. Welcome, Jamie. Thanks, Raul. Good to have you here. It's good to be here. Yeah, excellent. So I start off with a few standard questions around authentic leadership, um, and then we'll deep dive into, I just said deep dive, which is very jargonish. (laughs) (laughs) We'll go into some personal stuff. Um, When Authentic leadership is sort of a word bandied around at the moment. So what does it mean to you when you hear that word and how you lead authentically? Yeah, so I think from my perspective, uh, it's the word authentic that we're really talking about here. I think that's about um, being very open. I think it's about being very honest. I also think it's about bringing your full self um, into the conversation. I think there's a lot of thinking about Um, and maybe historically around um, when you're at work, it's your work self, and when you're at your home, it's your home self. Mm. But I think really now that we're getting a fully understanding of authenticity, it's actually people seeing not just the work person, but the whole person. So to me, that's what really it would be about. Have have you found as you become more senior, um, you, you know, like getting especially the CEO role where you've had perhaps people say, you probably shouldn't say that or you probably shouldn't do that or you should probably shouldn't swear or whatever yeah, sure. and you've gone, nah, I'm still doing it anyway. Yeah, all the time because it's me. Yeah. And and I think I can't lead um, through anyone else or, you know, through anyone else's persona. I mean, it is my persona and it is um, who I am. So, look, I don't mind the feedback, um, but I actually ultimately make the decision that, as long as it's me, I'm, I'm willing to stand by that. I'm also willing to uh, take the consequences um, of that. But yes, <laughs> I've had that said many a time because I do tend to be quite open and I tend to uh, think a little bit out loud. I mean, my thinking style is I love getting a group of diverse people in the room um, and having a conversation. Um, and so in some cases there, you might go into areas where people will feel a little bit you know, confidential Mm. Um, I feel that they, if they're going to contribute to making better decisions, that's what it's all about. Where, where do you generally get the, when people say those things, you probably went too far or you shouldn't do this or whatever it is, where is that normally coming from? Oh, it's probably normally coming from a place of, um, you know, confidentiality. Okay, um, yeah. You know, in relation to, um, you know, you might be talking about where an organisation might be going with its strategy and open forum, those people weren't weren't aware of that. So probably more in the strategic um, place. You know, my view is that we don't have the secret formula to coke here. Mm. The difference is about how you execute. It's not really in your strategy. There's nothing that, you know, we're thinking here that other people aren't thinking. I mean, I say to people, I'll often give them our, our business plan or our strategy and they'll say, oh, mate, I won't show anyone. I'd say leave it on the plane if you want because there's really nothing in there that's uh, a fundamental point of difference. So as long as you're not CEO of Coke or KFC, <laughs> or, or CEO yeah, of KFC, yeah. the, the, seven, seven, yeah. the seven secret uh, herbs and spices are exactly, safe. Exactly, exactly. Has there been a time um, in your career where you've had your personal values challenged and 
and what you did there? Yeah, I think um, I'd go back to a previous life in a business context. It's where I really um, made an effort to try and get the organisation to put the customer um, at the centre of its, its, its thinking. Um, and it'd be fair to say that probably wasn't fully supported. I went to the lengths of, um, I went and bought a mannequin and I used to bring this mannequin um, into, the, uh, into the room and sit it in a chair. Um, it was clothed and we'd sit it in a chair and I'd talk about uh, Ken the customer and just having people really think through what would Ken say in this conversation, what would he um, and uh, or she, the customer, you know, contribute. The only problem with that was the organisation kept making decisions that were purely in the shareholder's best interest mm-hmm. and would make decisions that were in the customer's best interest. And so I felt that I'm out here really trying to prosecute the case for the customer, but um, people would see the organisation make a decision that was fundamentally not aligned with that. And I actually did find that uh, quite challenging. Mm. I always find it um, ironic that a lot of uh, companies now have got a new strategy and it's it's all about the customer and you feel like going, really? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah it's incredible, just isn't it? realise yeah, this. Yeah, that's right. There's not many businesses that don't have any customers that are successful as that. No, absolutely. There's, um, over the last couple of years, there's been a bit of uh, CEO activism. I've, I've read a couple of articles recently. We've seen it where CEOs have taken a role on social issues. What's your opinion on that? Do you think as CEOs you should be taking role on social issues? Yeah, I'm strongly supportive of that. I actually put it in a slightly different way. I think the organisations um, do, which is, I suppose, ultimately led in this context uh, by the CEO. Um, I said here that, you know, if an organisation doesn't think it's their job to prosecute a point of view on anything, they are taking a position, and that's a position not to take a position, so it's still a position, mm. right? Um, and I actually think that businesses play really important roles in the society in which we um, operate in and should be part of the debate, because it's another another view. Um, and there's an example where we did take a position as an organisation. Um, we very strongly supported the yes vote. Yep. Um, we, there was a whole lot of people that if they wanted, they could have yes t-shirts um, on the the, the, the weekend sort of before the vote. I mean, the, the building was lit up in sort of rainbow colours. We've actually got an affinity group here um, that's been set up by the gay and lesbian community called um, Proudly Me. We actually funded that group um, to go and just um, talk about the issue. Um, now, I did get some letters, mm. uh, some emails from uh, staff who, who weren't in favour of the yes vote um, and pointed that out. Um, the point that was made very clearly with the organisation taking this view that it was an organisational pos- position because we very strongly believe in diversity and inclusion about how we want to develop um, our, our workforce. However, absolutely re- acknowledge and respect that every individual has the right to their own, uh, their own point of view. So I don't have any issue with mm. um, that and I think um, to be honest, I think that businesses should do more of it. Yeah, you you make a good point. I think a lot of uh, companies and CEOs or whatever think, I don't want to make a position or take a position, so they stay silent. But as you said, that's taking a position. It is, it's yeah. taking a position, not to take a position. And that's like a company saying, um, you know, you, we don't stand for diversity and inclusion. Mm. Um, well, that's just 
not what we do stand for that and we stand for it proudly yeah the the few people that did respond negatively to it was it only employees or was it customers it wasn't no it was it was a bit of both um and it was um to be honest the staff it wasn't negative they actually said that uh they don't support it um so they feel a little bit under uh, a little bit of pressure sort of working here but absolutely acknowledged that it was very clear that they have the right to their own sort of personal view and and, and that's because if, if that's diversity yeah. <laughs> I mean you know it'd be the antithesis of what we're sort of advocating for if you're going to try and get everyone to you know to uh, to think the same way so um, I, I don't think there was a huge amount of uh, it wasn't sort of negativity it was more just people sort of putting the alternate view forward yeah cool what's the hardest part of your job do you think uh, what's the what's the hardest part? I would say it's time management in relation to how do you allocate time across the um, the key stakeholders, uh, and for me that's really customers, um, your people. How do you make the right in investment? I mean, I, I'm a huge believer that the differentiating factor of any organisation is their talent, their talent pool, um, and their people. Um, how do you allocate the time to invest um, in that whilst dealing with all the sort of the other sort of time pressures you have? So, I, I it's just the allocation of time that I find probably the most challenging. Just need more time in the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, so, right. so on, on that, I guess, how do you, you know, the allocation of time too on a personal level? So, how do you manage that between work and family as well? Yeah, so I sort of have this view these days that you know people used to talk about. Um, yeah, there was the work time and there was the family time. It's almost like the split that, you know, when you work, you worked and then you left and you, and you switch your brain into, you know, to family time. I think what we've got now in the workplaces that we're setting up, there's just not that, that binomial split, you know, anymore. And I tend to think that, um, you, you know, you just, you just make it work. I, I love spending time sort of with the family. I'm very happy with the time that you get to spend with the family. I'm lucky enough that, you know, we can sort of, you can manage your diary around, you know, it's, it's, it's about what you do mm. um, and making sure you get the impact and the outcome rather than um, when you do it. Mm. So I just have a slightly different, uh, different view, but um, I'm very happy with the balance. Mm. Do you have to travel a lot with your role? Well, predominantly domestically, but it's not a huge amount, right? Yeah. So it's, it, it would be maybe once a week, once a fortnight. So that's a really nice position to be in because that does actually obviously help that balance between sort of spending time at home, uh, etc. I'm quite good at year 11 maths at the moment because <laughs> I've just spent this week helping my seven-year-old daughter with her, uh, with her maths homework. So I reckon I'll be able to pass the year 11 maths exams. Good job. So <laughs> how many children do you have? Two girls, Two girls, 17 and 14. Wow, so she's in oh, year 11. Year 11, yeah. 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 Well, next year's the big one. I've yeah, got my, my eldest is uh, just finished and he's doing her final exam. So. Oh, right. Yeah, and, wow. And luckily she's not doing maths because I don't <laughs> think I'd be able to help her with that at all. Um, hey, if there's one thing you could change about yourself, what do you think it would be? So there's actually nothing specific how I'd answer that uh, that question 
is as long as I can continue to be willing to accept that um, I'm not going to get everything right, stay in that sort of growth mindset. I love the concept of um, you know, the difference between growth and um, you know, fixed mindset. And just acknowledge that um, we will make mistakes, I will make mistakes, and that not to get too down around that, but actually generally look at it as a learning experience and um, just then what, you know, what are the learnings from that and what can do better going forward. So there's nothing I would change other than to, to make sure that I'm really keen to just stay right in that growth mindset space because I think that is just so important. Mm, yeah, absolutely. So when you're um when you're not at work and doing what you're doing, what what do you love doing? What's your you know like what's your perfect weekend perhaps with the with the family? Yeah, well, I, I do love surfing. Okay. Right. So I think when you're getting out there, um, in the ocean, it's you and the and the waves. Um, it's just a surreal experience. And I don't get me wrong, I'm not a great surfer, but you know when you do get up on the wave and just just to riding the wave there's there's nothing better so you know a perfect weekend for me is I mean we are lucky enough to have a uh, a place down at Anglesey mm-hmm. which I think is just such a beautiful part of the the coast down there and so to head down for the weekend um, you know with the family um, and just hopefully there's uh, the waves do the right thing and there's the waves all line up for you and to spend the morning surfing and the afternoon mucking around with the kids, that's that's probably the perfect mm. weekend. And do you get down to Anglesey often? Is it? Uh, not often not enough. Because yeah. um, one of the things is now, of course, the, the age of the kids, mm. um, they have their, uh, their school life, their sport life and their social life. And I'm really keen to make sure that uh, they continue um, doing that. The good news is they both enjoy surfing. So we, we, we probably get down there once a month. Yeah, good. They do they both play sport? Do you are you like a sport dad that goes and? Yeah, I, I I'm actually a huge fan of kids playing team sport. Yeah, I just think it's so important. It's interesting we're talking about, um, you know, leadership, and I think it teaches people um, to work um, in a sort of a, a team environment. I think sport does bring people uh, together. Hopefully, it teaches you to, you know, with with you know with win with grace and um, you know lose with dignity um, and so they play netball and, and basketball um, do I go and watch I really enjoy watching them the good news is I say nothing no, it's so you I'm, don't get white so line I, fever so I, don't, I don't get wound up and chirp from the sidelines but I do enjoy watching other parents do it and get quite agitated <laughs> good stuff um, are you a bit of a cook do you like cooking at all so I'm not a cook at all. Right, okay. And so... Uh, you don't the, have a specialty dish then? The, 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 my cooking extends to the barbecue. And outside that, I'm a, it's, uh, it's completely non-existent. So do, you have a, so do you have a specialty dish on the barbecue? Or the, you just throw uh, it there's on, nothing with turn my it cooking, over? There's, there's nothing special. Other than, you know, a lot of my mates um, do the majority of their cooking um, at home. And I'll talk about how much they love it, how much they find it uh, creative and relaxing and everything else. So maybe I should get into it, into it one day. Mm-hmm. You, you only need a few specialty dishes. <laughs> and you, I um, Often when my in-laws come over, you know, I'll, I'll buy the meat, I'll marinate it, I'll, I'll, and I'll take it out to Steve, my husband, and go put it on 10 minutes, flip it over, turn, do everything, and then 
they go, this is beautifully cooked, Steve. And he gets, he gets all the glory. Well, if yeah, so if, you, if you're coming around for, for a meal, you're going to have to enjoy a barbecue. Right, excellent. Okay, I'll hold you to that. Um, do you have a favourite 80s song or artist? A bit of a Queen, yeah, a bit of a Queen fan. Ah, a bit of a Queen uh, fan. So, uh, so yes, um, so I was actually a bit because I am sort of eighties is my uh, my era. Yeah, my, era, what I have, my I, era too. Hence I, why I ask. Well, I tell you what I have loved, um, and it's, it's it's amazing how it resonates with with bikies, um, the whole ABBA thing, mm. right? And you look at how sort of a music or a band has transcended time. And uh, just with the sort of the, the latest movies, you know, Mamma Mia and mm. was it Mamma Mia again or, yep. or, or whatever, you know, the movies and the, and the musical, uh, just amazing. Mm. So uh, a little combination of Queen and Abba would be with, with a good well-cooked Barbie, perfect. <laughs> good. So no doubt you're going to see um, Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, look, actually, out. absolutely. Look, really looking forward to it, actually. Yeah, yeah. I, it's one of the things I, um, what I love with, because I play a lot of 80s music because, you know, they're, there is no better decade yeah, yeah, music, yeah, as I'm yeah. concerned. But when your kids are singing along to it, so yeah. you know they can. Yeah, you know, it's not only the ABBA they're singing along to it; they know all the words. But in excess and Queen, and to the point where, when we we are all going to go see the Queen movie as a family movie because yeah, they yeah. would know all well, the songs. It's interesting, isn't it? How the um, you know the lyrics. You go back and think about the lyrics back then, and they, I think they were simpler. Um, they sort of have more of a they they've got an element of just repeatability mm. around them, right? Mm. You know, and you and you do, don't you? You just see completely different generations sing, singing the same music. Yeah. You probably don't get the same thing out of today's music, do you? I mean, no. Well, I guess the only time will tell that. But yeah, well, you know, sure. like I, I was so on the way in to speak to you today. I was in the Uber, and the music the guy was playing. It was like, my God, yeah. just stop now yeah. and I cannot imagine that that music no. still being played in 30 years time Yeah. Um, whether our parents would have said the same thing whether yeah. they would have said oh what's this queen business they're yeah, never yeah, going to yeah. last who knows who knows um, I love a good quote do you do you have sort of a go to quote that has um, maybe guided you or guide your daily decisions I'm all about um, people having a go, right? I think that there's um, nothing wrong with trying and failing. In fact, I think it's a gift. Mm. And I think it's a gift that we almost try and remove from work or our kids or, or whatever. And I just say to the kids, you know, that there's nothing worth not giving it a go because you're just... You know, don't know, and I think if we can give um, our kids or the people at work a gift, it would be that courage to get out there and, and have a swing mm. and have a go, and not see if it doesn't work, not see it as as, as failure. So, look, my favourite quote, the one that I do use, uh, it's probably a little bit uh, too much, but you know, the person that never made anything, uh, the the person that never made a mistake is the person that never made anything at all. Yeah. It's really just getting out there and um, uh, and having, and I, I just think it's a gift. And as I said, I think as a society, we're becoming less tolerant of failure. Um, and I'm not sure where that's going to lead us. Mm. So that's, I mean, that's obviously something consciously that you bring to your parenting 
is you do you also do the same with your leadership? Like, do you feel you've created a culture at me where you know mistakes are okay? We're trying. Yeah. Um, if I'm being perfectly honest, I I don't think we're there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, one of our uh, one of our well, I mean we've got sort of some people might call it quirky values. We have um, five values. One of those values is to have a swing. Yeah. And um, that is actually uh, the uh, the value, and another one is love Mondays. And it's basically this: you get out there and try things, enjoy, you know, enjoy what you're doing. Um, it's interesting when you have things like the, you know, you're in banking and you have um, things like the Royal Commission. Mm. Um, and one of the things I think that there's a risk of doing there is everyone's now got this fear of, of you know, all the issues that came out of the Royal Commission. We've got to make sure that we never do that again. Um, I've got a very different view to that. I'm not justifying either behaviours the, the Royal Commission because what it showed was there was just um, behaviours which were completely wrong. But it comes back to something that you said right in the, at the start. I mean, isn't it funny that businesses are actually starting to realise that you need to build it around the customer? Every issue got called out at the Royal Commission was not about the customer but was about the shareholder. Mm. So if you genuinely... Um, focus on the customer then you shouldn't have a fear because you're doing the right thing and I'm incredibly proud of this bank's um, core purpose and this core bank's core purpose is to help all Australians get ahead it's not a tagline it's not a marketing line it's actually why the bank was set up by the industry super funds back in 1994 if we ever moved away from that the core purpose they would stop owning the bank because it's not why they're set up and they are set up to create dignity in retirement um, you know, for working Australians. So I think there's a huge opportunity for companies out there that um, are genuine about the customer focus yeah. and get that balance right between the customer um, and the shareholder and not use the customer to meet the shareholder needs, but actually build a business around the customer and create great value that ultimately the shareholders get um, a benefit um, from, then we shouldn't be concerned at all. Because mm. our, you know what our defence would be in a Royal Commission or Court of Law? Why did you do that? Because we felt we were acting in the customer's best interest. And that's not a bad defence, and that should give everyone the courage to have a swing yeah. and, uh, and give it a go. Yeah. I, uh, in regards to the company values of all the companies I work with, I love, love, love the wording of your values. Yeah, yeah, the cockroach. You know, just like, you know, you could throw a blanket over corporate Australia or global corporate's values and 95% of them would be the same. Yeah. But to have have ones like have a swing and... um, some of the, well, it's have a swing, yeah. love Mondays, love Mondays. Um, go to the moon, yeah. uh, stay hungry. Yeah. You know, stay hungry is one I really like. I mm. mean, people can talk about um, curiosity. Um, that's just love it. You know, just, just, just you know, sort of um, getting people curious, you know. Just, yeah, it's just, it's just, yeah. it's just fun. They're I just do. fun. I do. And I, and I think they're a lot more, you know, I think people connect with them more. Um, it's certainly what I've seen is people connecting with them more because of just the way they're worded. Yeah, um, yeah. And obviously, you know, live, being lived as well. So that's that's the real challenge. Yeah. Uh, values in actions as opposed to espoused values. Hey, Jamie, this has been good. I want to finish with one more final question. Sure, sure. And that is, if you could give one piece of advice to your 20-year-old self, what would it be? 
Well, it's actually what we've just talked about, really. I mean, it would be um, get out there, have a go, um, and do everything with a growth mindset. And don't think of failures, you can't do it. Just think of it as um, a learning experience. And, you know, it's funny, is that you look at um, babies mm. and you look at them starting to walk and they just get up and they fall over and they get up and they fall over and they just keep trying till they work out how to walk. Because no one's telling them they can't do it. Mm. But isn't it funny when we grow older, we get up, we fall over, we get up, we fall over, very quickly we think or people tell us it's because we can't do it. Mm. But no one tells the baby that. So the baby finishes up being able to walk. So for me, it, it would be get out there, have get a swing. There. And the other, I mean, life's not a dress rehearsal, right? Mm. You only got one crack at this, so just get out there and, and give it a red hot go. Do you, do you think, sorry, I know that I said that was the last question, now I'm asking you another one. Were you raised that way? Or did your parents bring you up like that? or did you? My parents certainly didn't, yeah. I mean, my parents certainly didn't um, stop. They had three boys. Yeah. Well, they have three boys, I should say. Um, and uh, we were absolutely allowed to do well. We've got a very diverse family. Um, you know, my older brother's gay, uh, and he makes TV shows, and um, uh, he's highly creative. Then they had their middle son, which is me, uh, an engineer, did all the maths and physics at school and did engineering and went completely down the, uh, the sporting uh, path, path, and sport played a big role in my uh, growing up. So I got the artistic person, the sports person, and then you know, my younger brother, uh, just completely entrepreneurial. I mean, he'd be out there where you know, I was sort of structuring sport, he'd be out there doing the, the things like surfing um, and whatever. Um, he runs his own business um, and completely entrepreneurial. I've always admired, I think, uh, well not think, I've always admired mum and dad in relation to, you feel that they've never uh, judged what either one of the three of us have mm -hmm. done. Um, they've just supported what the three of us have done and the three of us have done you know, quite different things. So I think that's, um, that's pretty cool. And I think all three of us um, have benefited from that because I'd be pretty crap at making, uh, uh, making TV shows. <laughs> and so if that's what we had to do because my elder brother did it, then I reckon I would have been in for a life of pain and uh, TV would have been in for life of very poor TV mm. shows. Do you catch up often with your brothers? and? Yeah, well, they live in Sydney. Mum and Dad, we're all from Adelaide originally, mm. right? So Mum and Dad still live in Adelaide. Um, my brothers live in Sydney and uh, clearly we live in Melbourne but it's interesting to ask that question I mean um, you know, mum and dad are getting older obviously um, and uh, we went back to Adelaide uh, three weeks ago um, we all flew in Friday morning I, we had our AGM here so I flew in after the AGM Friday morning my older brother makes a show called Go Back From Where You Came From oh, wow. which is on SBS yeah. and that had Go Back when he came from live, and that was on the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night. So he also flew in Friday morning, and uh, my younger brother, as I said, he has his own business, so he can fly in any time. So he uh, he flew in Friday morning, and with the families, and mum and dad have sort of got a beach house um, south of Adelaide, so we went there for the weekend. 
And then um, we took them, my family had to come home because the kids had to start school with school holidays. And then uh, mum and dad and their three boys and one's family all went to KI uh, for, uh, for, for, three, for three or four days, which was, which was quite nice, right, as a family. You can still do that sort of um, with everyone sort of, you know, with the, of their own lives, obviously all, you know, busy. So we only did that sort of three weeks ago, which was, which was really nice. Mm. Yeah. You've got a lovely smile on your face, so you obviously enjoyed it. Yeah, it was nice. Jamie, thank you so much for being part of the podcast series and uh, all the best with the work you're doing at me. Yeah, no, thank you. It's been my pleasure. Thanks. Okay, thanks. We hope you have enjoyed this podcast in the Authentic Leadership Series. Visit the resource library on Gabrielle's website to access a collection of free material on business storytelling and thought leadership.